like to welcome those who are watching via live stream. Uh, we're excited about this series of messages, Delight. I'm excited because hopefully by now you're seeing each message builds on top of the other one. And our hope is this, that we begin to delight in the Lord doing so, then we get the desires of our hearts because our delight lines up with his desires. And so we've been working our way through. I'm thrilled for me personally what it's doing for me in my own journey. But today as we pull back, we go to another level and we find out that in order for us to become like Christ, in order for us to delight, we must delight with a childlike faith. Now, that's hard. You know, as we age, I'm 58, and some of you are a young, little younger than me, and some are older. But it's challenging as we age, if we're not careful, that we lose our childlike faith. We lose what we would say, that little boy or that little girl that God has placed in us. And the idea that children can show us how to delight in the Lord is hard for adults to grasp. Yet Jesus would show us all through the New Testament, over and over again, bring the children. You should have faith like little children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's face it, if we're really honest, many of the adults in this room have lost the little child in them and the child faith in them. It's honestly one of the values as our family that we've tried to keep at the top, Ann and I, even raising our children, one of the, the values we had is to continue to, to have childlike faith. And if you spend any time with us, you would soon see that. And even as a father and as a husband, and even as a pastor, even yesterday, going out and building a large mountain summit for our Fight Club kickoff next Friday night, for me it was just an advanced picture of building forts when I was a kid. And so on our property, and something happens when you do those kind of things together. We've done a variety of things as, as a family. It's not uncommon for us in the wintertime when there's snow on the ground, not 50 degrees. Maybe tomorrow there'll be snow on the ground. Welcome to Indiana. But when there's snow on the ground, to take an old mattress, and you've probably seen videos, we tie them to the back of our Jeeps, and, and then we stand on those, we wrestle on those, and we chase them all out through our field. People look at us and think, man, Pastor Jim, he's lost it again. No, we would say, we figured things out. I can recall even a time we were taking our Jeeps through our backfield, and, and we were literally chasing each other, doing figure eights, and it was Josh and Isaiah and Hannah and Ann were in the vehicles, and we were throwing snow. You could hardly see. The wipers were on. It was deep. And our neighbor, Scott Sanchez, who lives on County Road 21, saw from his front living room, and he was like, I want to be part of that. And we looked, and we saw this Ford Expedition busting out across the field, <laughs> wanting to join us doing that. But there's something about bringing that childlike faith out of you. There was a recent survey just done in 2017 asking this question. How can one keep the child in them alive? And here's what surfaced. Think about these. And as we go through these, I wanted you to ask, answer the question. Is that a part of my DNA? Is that a piece of me? Do these characteristics surface or have I let life and all the experiences of life and all the hardships and trials and relationships squash childlike faith? A recent survey said here is the way to keep a child alive. The first one was this, a sense of humor. And so you ask yourself a question, do you have a sense of humor? Secondly was, you forgive fast. Isn't that what children do? They forgive quickly. 
Thirdly, is you learned how to have fun. Is that a piece of your marriage? Married couples here today, husbands and wives. Is that a piece of yours? Would your, would your wife say, yeah, I have the, the, the greatest time. We've, we've had an incredible fun week this week. I just saw elbows and get that one. <laughs> Fourthly, a way to keep the childlike faith alive in us is to create anything freely. No margins, just let's create, let's build. It's, when we go on vacation to the beach, I, I, I'm the first person at the store to get a bucket and sand tools. And the reason is I just like to create. I, I, something comes out of me that wants to create, and I'm the 58-year-old guy on the beach that builds sand castles and loves every part of it. Fifthly, another way to keep a childlike faith alive is speak the truth. Isn't that what children do? They just tell you what they're thinking. Sixthly, explore. Is that part of your DNA? You just explore new places and you have this yearning to explore. And don't children want to explore deeper things of God, what he's created? Sixthly, or I would say seventhly, try something new. Like, honestly, how many of you have tried something new? Well, I like my pattern. This is the pattern when I get up, and this is what I have for breakfast, and this is, what I, this is the restaurant I go to. This is, this is the programs that I watch. These are the people I hang out with. This is the places I go. How many of you, just try something new? Eighthly, show emotions, don't hide them. Cry when you want to cry. Laugh when you want to laugh. Show emotions. Children just show their emotions. And lastly, make time for play. Like, honestly, how many of you do that? How many of you schedule play in your calendar this week? Work, 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 work. But how many of you actually have the discipline of play in your life? In order for the childlike faith to come out of us, survey showed these are the characteristics that surface for a childlike faith. Jesus loved the little children, and he would often use them as sermon illustrations. And Grab your Bibles, and I'll show you how he did it. And turn to Matthew chapter 18. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. But please turn, open up your mobile devices, your Bibles, and turn to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to read verses 1 to 10. And let's just see what, what, what Jesus did and what he had to say about childlike faith. And would you stand with me as we read it together? Matthew 18, just stand even as we read verses 1 to 10. First book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Find the first book right in the middle of your Bible. And let's read it together, Matthew 18, verses 1 to 10. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child, in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. <laughs> Foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter the life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. 
It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. You may have a seat. There's some hard-hitting truths packed in these ten verses. Let me begin by saying this about childlike faith. Childlike faith is a believing faith. What do I mean by that? Childlike faith believes in the person or the principles or the pathway of who God is. A childlike faith just believes in their father because they trust in their father and they're willing to do the ways of their father. Just pause with me for a second and linger on that truth for a few seconds. Childlike faith is a believing faith. Now ask yourself, how you're doing when, we, when I share these responses. Do you remember when you believed your daddy could do anything? And I understand not everyone had a good childhood. For, for those of you, Dip, do you remember when you believed if something was wrong that your daddy could do anything to make it right and fix it? When you knew if he was near, everything would be okay because dad was near? Or when... You just trusted him to provide and you didn't wonder if there would be food for it. Do you remember when you you didn't wonder if there would be a meal that you just knew it would be provided because mom and dad were there? Can you remember when you weren't skeptical or cynical and mad at the world? Or when you didn't carry self-condemnation upon yourself and as we age... We're more prone to condemn ourselves than we are to see who we are covered with the blood of Jesus, justified, sanctified by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Or can you remember when you believed the best in people instead of the worst? Or when you had friends not because they would make you stronger or better, but because they were just people you liked? Do you remember when you didn't have to deal with danger, stranger? Explain that to your kids. Like you just trusted people because God was near you and dad was there. Pull away and think about the context from which Jesus is bringing this message. This was written in the first century. And I don't know if you understand the culture of that time. But during this time, children enjoyed very little esteem and virtually no respect And while families loved their own children, the society barely tolerated them. Children were the least of the least. And they were a nuisance to the leaders, the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees of the day. In fact, they were always left behind adults and and they didn't have a voice. So Jesus is speaking from that. And he's saying, you, every one of us need to become like this little child. Disciples like, what, Jesus? Don't you know their cultural status during this time? Even in the Greek language, the, the Greek words that are used for children, in the Greek during the first century, the word used here for, ch- for children is the Greek root paid or paid on. And you know what that word meant during the first century? That word children meant servant or slave. And so when children were spoke about, they were more there to their help to help you than they were just to live 
and be there. And some of us use the Greek word, don't we? We treat our children like slaves. We're on the couch. Hey, can you bring something from the refrigerator for me? Because you're too lazy to get up and do it yourself. There's another Greek word that's used during this time in, in the New Testament. It's, it's the Greek word nepios. And now this word for child, when it's referred to in the first century, it connotes inexperience, foolishness, and helplessness. And Jesus is looking at his disciples who has spent three years with him and says, listen, in order for you to enter the kingdom of God, you got to become like Nepius. you got to become like Peter. And in their minds, like, Jesus, what are you talking about? They're kids. They don't have any value. You see, Jesus flips the culture. There's no doubt in my mind that those who were there, including the disciples, they were miffed at Jesus because he just grabbed a child and it says, Texas, he brought them among them and he stood there and he probably got down on a knee and he put his arm around and he said, hey, how you doing? Hey, just hold on a second. And he says, you, disciples, Grace Community Church, you got to become like one of these. And they're like, what? I gave up my life. I left my home and family and I've been following you for three years and you're telling me? That I gotta become like a Padon or I gotta become like a Nepios? Yeah, you do. You see, most children during the first century could not wait to reach adulthood so they could strip themselves of this lowly position. <gasps> huh, lowly. You see, what's the Bible say? When we become less, he becomes what? And he tells us that pride leads to destruction, but he lifts up the what? Humble. And Jesus is saying, in order to become more like me and to enter the kingdom of heaven, then you need to stoop low because humility is the first step to trusting in a God who's in charge of everything. Context. When did Jesus speak this? Look at, look at Matthew chapter 17. Now just think about context. He's having this conversation. Look at Matthew chapter 17 and verse 22. It says, when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the disciples, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will what him? What's your Bible say? Kill him. And on the what day he will be raised to life? Third day. Jesus had just told his disciples that it's coming, guys. I'm going to die soon. I'm going to go to the cross. It's the picture of the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And he's saying he just had this conversation. And just a few days later, after having this heartfelt conversation with his disciples, they're asking, Jesus, Jesus who's the greatest among us? He's like, What? You're asking me who's the greatest among us? You see what happens. Here's what they were thinking. Jesus would soon go to the cross, and they're wondering, hey, Jesus, before you go, can you promote me? <laughs> hey, hey, Jesus, before you leave, can, 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 hey, can you leave me the lake house? Hey, Jesus, before you leave, can, can, can I have the key to the car? 
Lord Jesus, before you leave, can, can I have the China collection? You see, they were more concerned about their needs than his needs. And honestly, so are we with people, aren't we? Ah, just thinking about my needs. What can I get? How can I benefit from this friendship? What can you do for me? Oh, you're leaving and going to another state. Oh, you're going to die soon. Will you leave this for inheritance for me? And Jesus is saying, wait a minute. In order to become like children of childlike faith, you got to lower yourselves. Even for you, let me just ask the question for you. How much time do you spend thinking, planning, fretting about your day and your future and your self-preservation consumes you? And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm a good father. (laughs) And I can take care of you. Like, my dad created the world and me too. And we got you in our hands and no one can pluck you from his hands. And listen to me, you don't have to be concerned with those things. The things you need to be concerned with is to love one another. These were Jesus' closest friends. Don't ever forget that. And he just had a heart-to-heart talk of death, burial, and resurrection. And they are working on the next deal with Jesus. Who's the greatest? Who's the best in the kingdom? You see, I read this and I wonder, are we really any different than what Jesus is here or the disciples are here? Maybe Jesus wanted some sympathy and maybe, maybe he just wanted some care. Maybe he just wanted a hug. Maybe he just wanted them to say, hey, I, I remember that conversation we had the other day. And I'm still dealing with grief from that. Maybe he just said, hey, can you take me to the Jerusalem cafe? How about a cup of joe? And let's just, let's just catch up before I leave. Let's talk about some memories. Who knows for sure, but as we age, we grow more selfish than we realize. And the little child in us that is willing to be a friend without strings attached slips away. And Jesus is saying, hey, Grace Community Church, hey, disciples, (laughs) you got to become like this cute little boy sitting down front in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, a childlike faith is less concerned about how it's all going to turn out and just believes that once it's in the Father's hands, all will be well. Amen? This week, um, Pastor Jordan was in with Silas. And if you've ever seen Silas, uh, Shelby and Jordan's son, and their precious daughter, Naya, too. But Silas is just a constant smile. If you've ever been around him, you cannot help but smile when you're around him. He was in, out in the North Foyer, and we have one of those fireplaces, those electric fireplaces, that the flame comes on when you turn on the switch. And he was just standing there, and I came out of the office, and he was looking at the fireplace. It wasn't on. So I got down on a knee, and I just put my arm around him, and I said, hey, Silas, how you doing? And I turned on the flame, and Jordan was to my right over here, and I was just, and when it popped on, that flame came on, he went, and he looked at his dad like, is this okay, dad? And Jordan went, and so then I turned it off, and I hit it again, and it popped on, and he went, 
And he walked over to his dad, got down beside his dad, and Jordan said, it's okay, Silas, it's okay. Like, that weird guy there, he's okay. (laughs) And once he got approval from his dad that it was okay that he was safe, he pointed at the fireplace. And Jordan said, you want to turn it on? And he just... So he walks over, and I'm still there, and he's got his finger out, and I take his finger, and I push it on the button, and it went, and he went. And so I turned it off, and he went. So we're like 15 times. The trust in the father that said it was okay to trust me with fire. But that childlike faith is the same kind of faith that God says, you just trust in me. That's the kind of faith that we begin with and understand and place in Jesus that gives us eternal life. Jesus was the same way with his childlike faith. Jesus never lost his childlike faith either. I want you to think about this. His infallible trust in the faithfulness of God the Father in the face of torture and crucifixion on the cross. His final words on the cross, blood streaming from his body before he breathed his last breath. You know what Jesus cried out? Into your hands, Father, I entrust my spirit. You see, he had a childlike faith in his father, God, too. You see, Jesus says, we have a good, good father. We have no worry and nothing to be concerned with when things are in his hands. I believe a big reason we've lost the awe and wonder and, and trust of God is because We don't trust him. This was a shock. In fact, look back again at verse 2 of 18. It says, he called the little child to him and placed the child among them. In verse 3 it says, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you what? What's it say? Change. Unless you change, disciples, and become, change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes who? Who does he say? Me. This was a shock to them. In other words, look at the little child, Jesus said. Learn from them. And aspire to be like little children. So the question we have to ask is this. What do they look like? How do they act? What are some principles that we can look at children's faith and say, I need that kind of faith too played out in my life. What does it look like? And by the way, let me just say this. In my files, as I look at future leaders of men, one of the primary ones in my top three is this one. How men treat children. 
when a child walks into the room, I'm right away watching adult men. I watch men all the time, and I watch. Are they put off by them? Do they not acknowledge him? Do they see them as lower class? What really gets my eyes on full alert is when a man gets down and he talks to the child and he acknowledges the child in the room because Jesus said it is worthy of acknowledging and loving little children. You see, if you think you're higher than them, Jesus said, listen, you better take a look at what the Bible says. We must become like them. So the question is, what are the characteristics of children? I encourage you to write these down, and I want you to talk about them with a friend or accountability partner or a spouse this week or maybe your own family. The first characteristic is this, I would say, of childlike faith. A joyful spirit. Let me define what I mean by joyful spirit. A beaming heart. Another way of saying is having a buoyant faith. What do I mean by that? Have you ever seen the, 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 the buoys that surround swimming pools or go across swimming pools? Have you ever been in a swimming area, the, a beach of sorts that has buoys that go around? And when the storm comes in or the waves get high, the buoys, what do they do? They move with the storm. They go up and they go down. But there finally comes a point they might go down, but they pop up and say, I'm here. I made it. That's the picture. I just killed the cameraman there, just trying to come up and down. (laughs) But that's the picture. You ebb and flow with things that happen. You stay above with a joyful spirit, not based on your own ability, because God is with you. I watched a dear sister of ours do that this week, Kelly Rassler. Her faith was buoyant and joyful in the midst of losing her husband. That's childlike faith. A second characteristic, write it down, unconditional trust in God, the Father. Just trust. On our first trip into Asia 12 years ago as a family, Ann and I were able to take all three of our children, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. By the way, it's cool to see you guys over there today. We were able to go in. First trip in is first time to see the kids, and we went to a snake show. Last week I showed you spiders. This week I'm going to show you snakes, okay? <laughs> and I remember Isaiah, he was, he was just eight years old. He went overseas with us on our first trip over. And we went to the snake show for the first time, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And so they wanted someone from the crowd to come down, and they wanted to put a snake around him. And Isaiah kind of looked at me, and, I, and this is what ended up. Take a look. Take a look. Look at Isaiah. You see that face? It's like the eyes are beaming like, is everything okay? It's going to be okay. But it's an unconditional trust. Thirdly, another childlike characteristic. Write it down and ask yourself, quick to forgive and move on. How many times have you disciplined your children, given them time out, and maybe they've had a, a, a spat between another friend or their siblings. And, 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 and as best as you could tell, they were in the wrong. And they were mad 
at their sibling. They were mad at their friend because they did something to them. And so as a parent, you discipline them. And maybe you give them time out or maybe you stood them in the corner. I don't know what your, your means is. And, and, and so they're in the corner thinking about it. And, and going into the corner, they're mad at them. They're, they're, they're upset. And you, in 15, 20 minutes, half an hour later, whatever, you can go. You can go back. And they just run back. <laughs> they quickly forgive. To you, you see a childlike faith keeps no records of wrongs. Fourthly, I would say a childlike faith has an innocent view of the world. They're not full of skepticism and cynicism and because of this man, this husband, and this ex-wife, or this boss, or this preacher, or this coach, or this whatever it is. They... They're not cynical and skeptical. Seriously, when is the last time that you saw a child have concern over politics? Seriously. How about over global warming? When's the last time you talked to your five-year-old about global warming? They were just concerned. Just concerned. Or they were concerned about what was trending on Twitter. Or they were concerned with how many calories are in a Happy Meal. (laughs) Seriously, when's the last time you saw a kid that was like, we're not. And Jesus said, you got to become like that. Why? Because your father God is good. I would say another characteristic of a childlike faith is a spontaneous approach to life. Not hardened by people. They're just spontaneous. Like, have, have you been with your kids in the park or you played somewhere with them and you've been outside and they're playing here and all of a sudden a squirrel, they just go over here and just, they just, they're, they're, they're just everywhere. Like, yeah, I can have fun there. And someone else, yeah, I'll go with you. Let's, like, how many of you are so structured? We can't go there yet. We haven't made it in our plans. That wasn't one of our life goals. It's childlike faith. It's spontaneous faith. Some of us, for heaven's sake, are so boring that and predictable as a bag of rice cakes, by the way. Rice cakes are horrible, just horrible. <laughs> and some of you eat those because they got no calories. Well, no wonder they're horrible. It's pretty funny, I know. Another characteristic of a childlike faith is just a playful approach to life. And what do I mean by that? Just willing to look stupid and you don't care because you just want to have fun. And you really don't care because, hey, I just want to be playful. A child is a playful person. Some of you have lost your playfulness. And by the way, that's a God-given discipline. And so we thought we would shake things up this morning and give you a chance to be playful. Ushers, you ready? Everyone here this morning is going to get a big piece of watermelon bubble gum. So, so just come. And I don't want to lose you here. We're going to keep preaching. But throughout the service, just blow yourself the biggest bubble you've ever blown. And listen to me. Listen. Some of you are like, oh, I'm doing that. We're in church for crying out loud. 
Come on, pass it out. Enjoy it. Come on, guys, work your way up. Just throw it. Pass it out. Make the biggest bubble. Blow the biggest bubble you've ever blown in your life. Right now, there's some men's like, I don't like this. That's the problem. You can't become like a little child. Seventhly, childlike faith has a rich compassion for everyone. This is what I love about children. If you take them to play, they don't care what color the other kid is. They don't care what race they are. They don't care what their income is. They don't care where they live. They don't care what their parents drive. They don't even care whether the stroller is a better one than theirs. They don't care if you put them in a seat. They don't, just don't care. They just play. They just love. They have compassion. And Jesus is saying, become like them. I would say this too. They don't have a concern in the world. All things work out for good to them who are called God's children. Ninthly, a child has a rich imagination. Do you remember? Some of you got to go back far like I did. Some of you do it now. Do you remember the books you would read to your kids and you would have the same book, and you could read the same story a hundred times, and every single time they're like, oh, I didn't know that. We had a book that they would spy something, I spy. And it's like, I want to say, you know exactly where it's at. <laughs> and so they would see it, Josh and Isaiah would see it, it's like, there it is. They're like, for the very first time, I get to see it again. Wow. You know, another characteristic of children, childlike faith, they know how to make good friends. So Jesus tells them, when you welcome them, then you welcome me. By the way, if we can get our photographers, this be great photos. People are going to say, you were blowing bubbles in church for crying out loud. What's going on down there at Grace Community? And you tell them. We're acting like children. (laughs) Jesus said this in chapter 18. He says, verse 4 again, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God lifts up humble hearts. To the proud, the applause of the world rings in their ears. To the humble, the applause of heaven warms their hearts. Which applause do you seek? Come on, chew your gum for crying out loud. (laughs) Quit being so prissy. Come on, chew it. (laughs) Then Jesus said this. Somebody's saying, I haven't blown a bubble in years. Man, get back at it. You're missing out. Verse 6, it says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck. It's a pretty hard-hitting passage. And he's saying, if you harm a child, then listen to me. Listen to me. Their guardian angels who protect them go to the face of God, and he gets indignant about the way that you treat children. The reason he longs for us to have childlike faith So that we can love like children love. Hey, that's a great bubble right there, by the way. (laughs) I feel like I'm at a movie theater right now. Here's what I know about us and our journeys, and you agree with me or not. 
New believers need older believers to stabilize and ground them. Would you believe, agree with that? Older believers need younger believers to motivate and excite them. Would you agree? Because all too often we begin to take things for granted. A couple weeks ago, um, Jeremy and Allison's little daughter Leah, she's precious by the way. She comes early on Wednesday nights and I often see her with her grandpa Phil Hood. She came back in, in, in the prayer encounter room and we were talking and so I, I always ask kids about Jesus, and I ask her about Jesus. And I said, Leah, do you know Jesus? She said, yeah. She's just beautiful, just tiny. She says, yeah. She said, I got bath times, too. <laughs> bath times. Like, that makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Jeremy and Allison? It's that childlike faith that's not afraid to say what they're thinking. So how do we grow and mature and keep a childlike faith? As we grow, we must keep the heart of the child alive within us. Jesus raised the bar for his example of love of children. Think about this in this passage. There was a spontaneous desire of parents to bring their children to Jesus. Why? Because he valued them. Jesus has righteous indignation at those who would keep their children from him. And Jesus took children in his arms and blessed them. Childlike faith breeds freedom to be who God created you to be. In my office, I have a bubble gum machine. And you know why? I want people to bring their children in. And it's not uncommon for Pastor John and, and Tara's daughter, Emery, to come knocking at my door. And as she opens the door, she reaches in and she smiles. She's missing her two front teeth. And I know exactly what she wants. You want some bubble gum? Yes. And I take her there. It's not uncommon for Pastor Tannen and his wife, Ariel, to have Marcus, who's five years old and looks like he's ten and he's a little more quiet and reserved, and he knocks on the door, and you can barely hear him, and he knocks, just taps. And I say, come on in. And he peeks in, like, and he stands there like this. I said, you want some bubble gum? <laughs> I love the hearts of children. You see, I personally believe that Jesus had childlike characteristics, too, as he walked on planet Earth. Was Jesus playful? Did Jesus laugh? Did Jesus smile? I think we have done an injustice to our Savior and his personality if a childlike playfulness is not part of it. If we carry the DNA and image of our God, then we see in the Bible that our God laughs and created animals that play and that children find joy in playing too. Would you agree? After all, who gave us a sense of humor? I know what's going on, by the way. <laughs> See, there's a little kid in me, too. And my grandma taught me something a long time ago. When you hear nothing, say nothing. And my younger son, Isaiah, is loving this, too, because I can't stand when people crack their gum. <laughs> and I love you. Praise God. <laughs> Think about this. 
we just lost all control. And you know what? Doesn't it feel good to laugh? Some of you are like, no, get back to the Bible. <laughs> Stuart Brown, by the way, a researcher, psychiatrist, has studied the effects of play. This is very interesting. The effects of play on people. And he shares that, that believes that play is as important to human beings as oxygen is. His research shows it lights up the brain and brings a renewed sharpness to our mind. Plato would say this many, many years ago. You can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. Do you realize there's eight different personalities for play? Eight different personalities. I want you, as you hear these, to think, which one is mine? In fact, write them down. The first play personality is this, the joker. This is the person who's a prankster, loves to make people laugh. The second style of personality of play is the kinesthetes. This is a, a mover and a shaker, loves to dance, run, move. They can't stand still. They want to make you move. The third style of play is the explorer. This person sees new places, discovers new ideas, meets new people, likes to think new thoughts. The fourth style of play is called the competitor. To them, there's no such thing as just playing the game, but you play to win the game. Anybody know someone like that? The fifth one is director. They love to organize, plan, and execute the events of gathering people together. In fact, they're planners and they like order and they hate when someone does this with their strings. <laughs> the sixth type of play is the collector. They gather experiences, by the way, it bothers me too. They gather experiences, objects. They have collections, they like to play. They like to collect spoons and turtles, and elephants, and, and cards, and rocks, and leaves. They find that playful. The other two more, the other one is the artist or creator. They find joy in making things. And the last style of play is the storyteller. And some of you are going crazy right now with the cracking of gum. And you are so mad that we've lost all order here. The storyteller, they're the imaginative type. They write stories, draw cartoons. They love to relate the Bible stories to their own ways. You see, when Jesus spoke here, he says, in order to have a childlike faith, we got to trust in our good father. And honestly... The reason we don't have childlike faith is because we don't trust in God. And I bet some of you have lost your childlike faith. And you're more like the disciples are here than you realize. To restore delight in our Lord, we must return to childlike faith. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, I pray that we drove home the truths of the word today. 
as you talk to your disciples over 2,000 years ago, you encourage them to have childlike faith. And God, you, you challenge them by saying, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, then your faith must be like a child. Lord, I bet we all have work to do. We've let the things of life, all the situations, experiences, trials, and hardships suppress the little child in us. God, I pray that we would plan, play this week. I pray, God, that we would go back to the early days when we first trusted in you and we believed that you were a good, good father and that nothing that came our way was a surprise to you. And so, God, even as we sing this worship song, recognizing how good you are, I pray it would be more than words. I pray it would be a declaration that we live out this week, that you are a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen.